great Friday night to you all, and welcome to another episode of Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm your host, Larry Frank, and what a great, great, great show we have to end the week for you today. Besides talking about all different types of topics tonight, we're going to have the great Neil Solons joining us in about 15 minutes. He's the pre- and post-game show host. For the Tampa Bay Rays. But we have lots of topics to talk about. Not just baseball tonight. We got NFL topics. Some of the topics we'll be talking about. Is fans in the stands. In the NFL. Yes or no. We'll also be talking about the preseason. And then the Players Association in the NFL. Wanted it to cut down zero games. So we're going to be talking about all of that throughout today's broadcast. And I want to remind you all, I see people are joining us by the, uh, by the dozen right now. If I can all ask you all one big favor, it will only take you one second to do. Do me a favor, share this to your timeline right now for me. You'd be doing me a great favor. You know, you're going to get an opportunity to watch just one heck of a show tonight. And I want you to go ahead and share this with your friends so they have that same opportunity to watch the show as well. So if you can just take one second, that's all it will take. Just hit the share button so people on your timeline can watch it as well. Um, some breaking news. We start with baseball. It's not a surprise to anyone, and we're not going to elaborate on it, but the Major League Baseball All-Star Game has been canceled. I don't think that's a surprise to any of us. Uh, you know, you haven't even started games yet. What are you going to do, have an All-Star Game? So no big surprise there. But one of the things that did come down in the NFL today, and we're going to be talking a lot about the NFL, even though we have Neil Solons on, we'll be talking to Major League Baseball as well. So a great, great show for all of you that are here tonight. Once again, please, if you don't mind, share it with your friends, share it on your timeline. The more shares, the better audience we have and the more interaction. want to also remind you, you can leave a comment at any time. Anytime, leave a comment. Let me know you're here. Just say hello. I'll say, hey, Bob from so-and-so. Good to have you on the show. And we'll go ahead and uh, try to get as many of you to comment as possible. Also, if you are watching from another platform other than Frankly Speaking Sports, that's okay. We encourage that. The only thing is if you type a message, I don't believe I get to see it from another platform so in that event, no big deal. If you know if you belong to another group like the Kansas City Royals group, the Diamondbacks group, the Mets group, that's okay. You can still sign up for Frankly Speaking. We're not here to take you away from those groups. We're here because we do a show every night, and it's all about different sports. Now, in the NFL today, if you haven't heard, the NFLPA... That is the Players Association has voted on having zero preseason games. That's right, zero. Now, it was only a couple days ago the NFL owners, of course, wanted preseason games, at least two of them. And the main reason is because all the money made from TV and everything else is 100% profit. They don't start play, paying the players to the regular season. A lot of people don't realize that, that these athletes don't get paid to the beginning of the season. So that's when their paychecks start. 
Now, according to the NFLPA, this is how preseason would go. So for all you football fans, it don't matter what team you root for, this is how the Players Association wants it to go. They want four stages of preseason. They want the first stage, which will be three days of just physicals. All the players come in, and it takes about three days to get the physical done. So that'll be the first three days of preseason. Then the second stage, um, which will be the following 21 days, is basically strength and conditioning. That's all it is for the next three weeks. Then the third stage will resemble the OTAs. Uh, players would participate in uh, 10 days of non-contract, non-contact, non-padded practices. That would be the next 10 days. And then the last stage would be stage four, which is um, 14 days of what camp traditionally looks like, uh, potentially 10 total practices with a maximum of eight padded practices. So it's a 48-day preseason with no games. And, you know, I'll tell you what. This preseason crap is for the birds anyway. You never see the starting team. Maybe the third preseason game, it's always the best one to go to because, yes, the players do play like at least a half of the game, if not three quarters. But basically the preseason is for two things, to look at the younger players who may have not originally been identified as players to make the team. And number two is so the owners can put four games of revenue into their pocket. Each home team, two games. Each team, two home games, 100% profit. We don't need preseason in football. You know, why we ever had it, I don't know. These guys can go ahead, practice, 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 get in game shape because they don't play anyway in the preseason, and then go ahead and start the regular season out with a bang. And, you know, I agree with the Players Association. I really, really do. And, you know, hopefully we'll find out in the, you know, they're going to vote on it. But if it's up to the owners, it's two games. If it's up to the players, it's zero games. Want to welcome our buddy Rob from Tampa, Florida in. Ladies and gentlemen, also want to remind you, if you are listening, if you're just joining us, because we see numbers and numbers of people joining us, please share this to your timeline. Please do me a favor and do that. Also, we're going to continue to talk about football. One of the things about fans in the stands um, we're going to be talking about today um, on weather, and then uh, we might be talking about PEDs and should they also allow Major League Baseballs into the Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about that now, and then after the interview with Neil Solons, you're going to get a real hard hit here. This is a conversation you don't want to miss. I mean, not you don't want to miss Neil Solons either, but after the show, we're going to talk about fans in the stands and why it's so important for the NFL, who has nothing but a bunch of owners who are nothing but selfish bastards that want fans in the stands. And we're going to be talking about that conversation after Neil Solons. Now, I do want to let people know that today... Testing in Major League Baseball was done. And if you haven't heard, 1.2% of Major League Baseball people in general, that's including staff members and players, 
1.2% were positive for COVID-19. So in a nutshell, if you're into numbers, 38 of 3,185 people that were tested were infected. Not a high percentage. Still, it's 38 people, okay? And we're not sure if any of the Tampa Bay Rays what included in that. We do know that we had certain players, uh, three players today, I think Sharinas, Sharinos, Rowe, and Jose Martinez were not at practice. We'll see if we can get that information from Neil Solons when he comes on. No, we don't know why they weren't at the first day of practice. You can only, uh, you know, assume what people are starting to think out there. But until we know definitely why they weren't there, we're not going to report that they had anything. Now, out of the 38 people, 31 of them were players. Okay, 31 of them were players. So, not a whole lot. And the good thing about this if you really want to look at it from a team perspective, whether you're a Cubs fan, a Diamondbacks fan, a Royals fan, a Mets fan, a Rays fan, whatever you are, they got it early. They caught it now. Before one, they contracted it to everybody else, and that's the reason they do this. Number two, most importantly, they're going to be able to get cured before it becomes something really, really bad. And number three, as long as everything is okay. Now, I don't know if they were asymptomatic or not, but, you know, 14 days from now or 10 days from now, they'll be retested, those 31 players. And if they don't have it, they can join their team and they still have another two weeks or another week before the season starts. Great job by Major League Baseball getting the testing done. If you're just joining us, uh, 31 players have tested positive for the coronavirus. Major League Baseball did a test with players and staff, which was a total of 3,185 tests. 38 of them came back positive. And I don't like to say only because that's still 38 people, but if you break down the math, it's 31 players and 1.2% of the test. Now, we're about five minutes away from the great Neil Solons of the Tampa Bay Rays, but other breaking news down the pipe, if you haven't heard yet, Jimmy Johnson, the NASCAR driver, has contracted the coronavirus. That is right, it's breaking news out of NASCAR, and we don't talk a lot about NASCAR unless there's a big subject on it. You know, we follow it enough to know who wins. But Jimmy Johnson, very popular driver, um, has contracted coronavirus. And obviously, it goes without saying, he will not be racing this upcoming Sunday. And I would assume he probably won't be racing next Sunday if he just had it, um, you know, on the... Uh, it depends when he got it. So that's basically what I'm trying to say there. Now, before we get into the subject, which I said we'll get in after the interview, you know, about fans in the stands, and I, I'm going to really go ballistic on this after the, uh, after the interview with Neil Solons, but the Green Bay Packers today made an announcement. They are preparing for fans, but... In the stands this upcoming season. That's right. The Green Bay Packers in Wisconsin 
are planning as if fans will be in the stands. Now, they said it would be of a reduced capacity, social distance would be practiced, and everybody entering will have to wear a mask. Now, I don't want to dwell on this too much right now because we're going to be talking a lot about this after the interview with Neil Solons. Um, but I'm not a very, you know, it's a very selfish situation, I think. Um, and it goes along with the waiver. We'll be talking about that as well afterwards, about this waiver that they want fans to sign before they enter, you know, the stadium. So basically the fans would sign a waiver that says we do not hold the team, the home team, the NFL, liable for any wrongdoing should we contract the coronavirus. And like I said, due to time constraints, because we only got about two minutes before Neil Solons comes on, we're going to talk about this subject in depth after the interview. want to remind you all, once again, okay, if you are listening to our show on different platforms, you can go ahead and leave a message. I may not get able to see it unless you're on Frankly Speaking Sports. If you're not, you can join and become a member. It's, we're not taking you away from your group. We're just giving you the opportunity to watch this show Monday through Fridays, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And, you know, we're not going to announce tonight who our upcoming guests are going to be for next week. Because right now, after tonight's show, the only thing you should be concentrating on is Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on our Crew Life, Crew Life sister station, Coach Marvin Bell. It's Bucks Talk with Coach Bell every Sunday night. It's 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you're not a member of Crew Life, join them as well. It's okay. You can be part of more than one group. But just remember, if you go to join Crew Life to watch the great coach, Marvin Bell, and his show, make sure you spell crew, C-R-U-E, okay? And then life, and then you'll be able to tune in to his buck show every night, I'm sorry, every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and then I'm on exclusively on Crew Life on Wednesday nights, with Frankly Speaking Buccaneers. We're going to have a very special guest next Wednesday for you, too, uh, for Buccaneer Wednesday. So let's do this. Let's get our friend Neil Solons on the phone with us. Is just, and I think it has the 
opportunity to be a really terrific year. Um, you know, obviously this is going to be um, quite a storyline just to follow getting to camp. And, you know, I say that not for the race, but really for all 30 teams since we're in the middle of a pandemic, something that none of us have ever seen in our lifetime and hopefully won't see again in our lifetime. Now let me ask you this, Neil. I know today was the first, I guess, what they call official workout since spring training 2.0 started, and they said they tested between plays and staff 3,185 people. 38 of them only, and I say only, but 1.2% of them actually tested positive, 31 of them being players. Have we heard anything yet down in the pipe whether any of those were any Tampa Bay Rays players? You know, what, what Major League Baseball has done, and, and actually it's consistent across the board, is unless a player comes and is willing to announce a medical condition, um, you're, you're not going to necessarily find out. You can guess. You can, you know, they're, they're, if a player ends up on an, an injured list without an injury, you can guess what it is. But, you know, in a lot of cases previously, um, you know, players may have had a, Know, a variety of issues, conditions, um, uh, things going on at home, what have you, and, and it, you know, the privacy was kept because of HIPAA law. And, you know, to be honest, I, I think it should rather than, you know, speculate. There's there's a few players who were not on the field today, but, you know, who knows what the reason may be. Um, you know, I think in Seattle's camp there were reports that there were several players who didn't participate because they were waiting just for results of tests. And that would hold someone up. Um, you know, there obviously are players who have decided um, for whatever reason, and I think whatever, you know, if, if anyone decides that way not to play. Um, you know, and I think those those particular issues have to be respected. And look, there could be, just uh, as, as we found in some camps, guys have physical injuries and they're still trying to evaluate what they are. So it could be any of those possibilities if a player's not there. It could be any of a... a, a several other possibilities that we haven't even, you know, brought up. But, you know, hopefully as, as time moves on, we'll get a better idea. Now, we talk a lot, of, obviously, about COVID-19 and the way it could impact every team this year in Major League Baseball. You know, we got 60 games in 66 days. And should a player actually contract this, now they have to be out 10 to 14 days and they have to, you know, require a test to come back, uh, you know, negative. But, you know, when you look at this Raiders roster, in the event something like this unfortunate should happen, this is a team that is not lacking on depth, are they? No, you know, I think that's probably, yeah, if you look at the really good teams in baseball right now, whether it's the Rays, whether it's the Yankees, whether it's, you know, the Dodgers, uh, I think the Astros to a degree, all of them have really, really good depth up and down their system. And, and you know, especially in a 162-game season, um, I think depth, depth is especially important. But maybe because of the uniqueness of the way this season is constructed, I think depth is going to be quite important, too. Um, just because of the, the shortness of spring training, the fact that starting pitchers probably won't be fully stretched out to begin the season, the depth of your pitching... The fact that, you know, is watching the, the workout today, you know, it, it's not like you're going through an ex, a full exhibition season where players are building up to playing three innings, five, seven, and nine innings. You know, the, the fact of the matter is a lot 
know these players will step on the field July 23rd or 24th, having not played in a full nine-inning game since March. So you're going to have to use your depth to keep guys fresh. And, and I do think, um, as you mentioned, that the Rays have some of the depth that can help them through those stretches. Now let me ask you this, Neil, and, you know, thank goodness it's all over. We're back on the field as far as the bickering between the owners and the Players Association and so on. Now this is more of an opinion question, but is the game of baseball in trouble? I don't know that I would use those terms. Um, you know, I think it's important long-term to maintain labor peace. I mean, the game has had labor peace now for, what, 26, 25, 26 years. Um, and, you know, their next deal comes up after the 21 season. I think it really is important to try and find common ground and try and build a much more positive relationship going forward. But I think both sides have said that, that that's critically important. Um, you know, I still think that before the pandemic, um, you know, the game was still a very, and still is a very popular game. Um, and assuming that, you know, I think all, all sports are probably going to have challenges with COVID uh, in various degrees as our nation is. Um, you know, I think that, you know, if we're able to, you know, assuming we're able to play games, I think regardless of the four major sports, that all sports are going to be valued tremendously um, across the board because they do provide um, an important escape from what's going on. I mean, the, you know, from the reality of, of what's going on in our world right now, which, you know, is extremely challenging, it, it, no matter what level you're at. Now, it's going to have to be a little bit weird when they start the season on the 23rd and 24th, because up to then, I mean, I guess the only games they're going to be playing mostly, and I say mostly because I guess Major League Baseball is thinking about letting them play three exhibition games in their, uh, you know, geographical areas. But other than that, they're basically doing intra-squad games. What, what should we expect when the season starts? That's a good question, and I think for every team it's going to be different. Um, you know, I think that probably the teams that are best equipped for something like this, I do think that the Rays are probably among the teams that are better equipped. And the reason I say that is just because they've been a team that's been creative, They've been a team that adapts. You know, they, they created the opener strategy, which so many teams have, have used from time to time now in their own way. I think they're, you know, they have a lot of players who quickly buy into using a unique strategy. And I think at the same time, I think the players will buy into whatever they feel they need to get the team ready as possible for game action. So whatever methods they choose, I think that the players are going to be supportive of one another, especially after going to the playoffs last year. I think, you know, when you win, and, and it makes buy-in a whole lot easier, and I think most of the, the vast majority of the group is part of last year's playoff run. So they want another one, and they want to go further, and, you know, for those reasons, I, you know, I think they're, they're pretty well positioned. Now, when you look at the Rays, and we'll talk about the Rays specifically, you know, one of the Maybe you could say only concerns, you know, coming into this year with the departure of Travis Dionode last year, who just came on and played unbelievable for the Rays, has to be the uh, catching position. Do you think Mike Zanino can get back to that all-star form he was a couple of years ago? 
You know, I, I think Diego's year actually, by and large, was, was pretty good if you look at the balance of it, aside from a couple of weeks. I would probably right. agree more that you know, it's really important for Jose to bounce back. Um, you know, if you look at what Alvarado did in the, Jose Alvarado did in the first four to six weeks of the season, he was stupendous. And then he was dealing with some um, family issues uh, that he later acknowledged was, you know, illness with his mom. Uh, he went back to Venezuela. He was never quite right. Both of his parents have come from Venezuela and, you know, through the help of the Rays, when spring training with him in March, have stayed in the country throughout. I thought in spring training he had a very different, you know, he had a look that, that appeared to be a lot like he was, you know, when he was going really well. Um, he had a smile on his face, I think a level of comfort. He acknowledged that, um, you know, and I'm hoping that that continues because, you know, between Alvarado and Anderson uh, and Castillo and you have guys like Fairbanks plus, you know, Colin Poche and Oliver Drake and Chaz Rowe, you know, it does give you the ability to have an extremely deep bullpen, and Andrew Kittredge is a guy who can throw multiple innings, too. So with the rosters expanded to 30 the first couple of weeks, you know, I, I think certainly there would appear to be ample innings for a lot of guys, and, you know, hopefully they're able to take advantage of that. Now, what are your thoughts on this? And I know it's just for this year as a test or for whatever reason with the COVID-19 and everything going on. This new rule in extra innings where you start the inning off with a runner on second base. I, ideally, in a perfect world, um, you know, I'd like to not have it, you know, this year. And I think it probably is more or less for this year. Um, because they don't want teams to be, you know, together and in the clubhouse and on the field as long because of, you know, the concerns of, of the potential of virus transmission. So, you know, there, this game, this rule has been in the minor leagues for several years. And, you know, I think there were a lot of people I know, having spent 12 years in the minors, who weren't fond of it to begin with, but also found it to be really intriguing in terms of the strategy. Basically, it's the same rule they have in international competitions, in like the World Baseball Classic or the Olympics or other events like that. Um, if, if they were ever to implement it long term, I probably would want to see it, let's say, after 12 innings. You know, they, they played three extras, they couldn't come to a solution. Now let's go to the extra inning rule. But in this case, where you're worried about over overusing pitching staff, um, you know, the, the you're, you're, in essence, shortening the potential of extra innings by going to this rule because I think, at least in the minors, more than 70% of the games ended after the first extra inning, after the 10th inning. Right. So, you know, I think that's part of the thought process, and I'm curious to see um, how teams play it, at least some of them, because the Rays have a young team. A lot of those guys have been familiar with the experience in the minors, so that probably should help them a little bit, at least knowing how the game works in the 10th inning. Now, let's take it as nobody, and hope, you know, knock on wood, we're right, contracts the COVID-19 virus. Does this 60-game schedule, is it a disadvantage, or you think it's an advantage for the Rays? Um, you know, I, I look at it in a couple of ways. I, I think... Generally, the best teams are probably proven more often in a 162-game season than they would be in 60. You know, the Dodger, the Nationals won the World Series last year. They would have not have made, a, made the playoffs um, in in 2019 at the 60-game mark. Um, in the in the 2018 season, the Dodgers who went to the World Series 
would not have made the playoffs. But, I mean, if you look at the Rays last year, there wasn't a stretch where they went worse than 30-30. and 30. And, and the majority of teams that end up in the playoffs um, are teams that are good after 60 games. So I think where it helps the Rays is if you look at last year, uh, Yanni Trinos was hurt, Tyler Glasnow was hurt, Blake Snell was hurt, and Charlie Morton worked a career high in innings pitched. So all of those guys probably would have been on innings limits in a 162-game season. In a 60-game season, that's not the case. So the war of attrition for arms is probably not as great, assuming the Rays can stay relatively healthy this year. So I think that works to their advantage. Um, in the long run, you know, if, if, if anything, I think the other thing that works to their advantage is I would think that pitchers are usually ahead of the hitters at the beginning of a season. And since it's only a 60-game season, if pitchers are ahead of the hitters for the first month, it's half the year, and that also would favor Tampa Bay. So I think by and large, it's probably a slight advantage, but you know, it remains to be seen how, how large a one it will be. We are talking to Neil Solons, the pre- and post-game show host for the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's talk about the acquisitions. You know, we know we lost a couple in Garcia and Dionne, but we got Renfro, we got Yoshi, we got this guy a lot of people don't even know about that I watch play who's exceptional in Margot. I mean, what do you think about these acquisitions? Well, you know, I, I think probably um, it, it created a lot of balance with the team, the additions that the Rays made. Um, you know, I think that adding Manuel Margot gave them a really strong backup to Kevin Kiermaier if there's to be an injury. It also gave them a little more balance because he's a right-handed bat, and he's been very successful against left-handed pitching. And while, you know, um, at the time, uh, Chris Dale, you know, was healthy and David Price was not yet traded to the Dodgers, the Red Sox were fairly heavily left-handed, and they still have Eduardo Rodriguez and Brian Johnson. Um, and the Yankees have James Paxton, you know, in their rotation, and Jordan Montgomery will. So, you know, there are a lot of teams in the division, John Means or the, for the, Mar for the uh, Orioles, that have left-handed starters. So adding some right-handed bats is important. Same for the addition of, let's say, Hunter Renfro, who gives them some power. And on the opposite side, then you add a lefty like Yoshikazugo, who can play some third base, who can play um, some outfield. Um, it gives you versatility. Um, and I think the overall outfield defense has improved. Um, and I think infield defense-wise, the Rays were very solid. And, you know, again, last year they missed Joey Wendell, uh, Yandy Diaz, and Brandon Lau for half years. They added another good platoon partner in Jose Martinez. You know, you add all those pieces, it would appear that the Rays have a bit more depth in their lineup offensively. You know, and saying that, I think the one, mo one of the most underrated thing about this team that people don't realize, when you look at, you mentioned Martinez, Renfro, Yoshi, G-Man Choi, Laos and Eno Diaz, Adamus Meadows, and even Kiermaier you can throw in there. They're underrated about the amount of power that this team has. Any of those guys can knock the ball out. They can, and I think by and large it's um, a team that may not have tremendous base stealing ability, um, but there are very few teams that do, but they do have, I think, pretty good base runners um, and pretty good team speed. Um, so I think they have a, a fair number of ways that they can beat you. Certainly pitching and defense is going to be the strength of this group and the ability to prevent runs, but if it's even a middle-of-the-pack team offensively, as good as the pitching is, 
I've always felt that that is the kind of team that would lead to a championship-level club when you're first in run prevention and all you got to do is be middle of the pack and average offensive team. It leads to a really good ball club. And a couple more questions before we let you run, Neil. Obviously, they're going to start the season out, like you said, with 30 players. Then I think two weeks later, it goes down to 28 Mm -hmm. and down to 26. Um, Obviously, and you mentioned this earlier in our show, uh, that you would think because of the arms not being up to strength, they're probably going to carry a couple more extra pitchers for that reason. Who do you see that can possibly, that was a big part of last year's team even, uh, that could be left off that 26-man roster this year? Um, you know, that, you mean when they start at 30, that, that would be there versus, you know, because they have the extra spots? I think part of it is going to depend on how many pitchers they decide to carry, one. Right. Um, you know, they go with a team that's 15 and 15. There's not a limit in how many pitchers you can carry. You could actually carry 17 or 18 if you also had 12 or 13 position players who could handle it. I tend to believe rosters are going to be a little more balanced, more like 15-15. But then the question is, with your starting pitchers, can they give you five or six innings? If they can, then you're probably okay with a lot of one or two inning relievers. If they can't, you probably need some guys who can go up to three innings. And so guys like Jalen Beek or Trevor Richards, who they got from the Marlins, or Anthony Bondo, who came back or Tommy John surgery, or even if they go with five starters and Brandon McKay is not one of them, Brandon could be one of those guys who would go three innings. Um, those are all potential options for longer, and if you don't need as many of those guys, then you're going to see more one- and two-inning guys, the Fairbanks, the Kittredges, those guys that would compete for some of the latter spots in the bullpen. Yeah, now, because of the 60 games, and the Rays have been known to do some of the most innovative things than any other team in Major League Baseball, but usually in a 162-game season, which, of course, we're not having this year, you can platoon players, you can give certain players day off and play another player. Are we going to see maybe less of that this year because the demand to win right away? I definitely think you're going to see teams manage games differently in terms of trying to, to win every night because of the fact that it's a shorter season, the fact that it's you know less than 40% of the norm. Um, I do think, though, you also want to avoid injury because even if a guy is out for two weeks, two weeks is now a quarter of your season almost. Yeah. Um, you know, a month is half your season. So you still have to be somewhat careful. And as I mentioned earlier, um, if, if you haven't gotten guys stretched out to the, the usual situation of playing nine innings, there may be spots where you're going to pinch hit for a guy after six and bring someone in for three because, A, it's a good spot. Maybe it makes your team better defensively. And, B, maybe their legs aren't quite underneath them. So I think that, that managers like Kevin Cash or, or any other club are going to have to just pick their spots and, and try and do what gives the team the best chance to win that day while also not exhausting the players they have that would lead to injury. Now, I agree. Now, before I let you run, my friend, Real quickly, how excited are you for this season to get started already? Very much so. I mean, you know, I I think the challenge is going to be how these next few weeks go, not only for the Rays, but every team. 
you know, I hope, you know, I mean, you know, this is, you know, you look at the human side of this, and I'm extremely excited for baseball because it's what I do and it's what I love, but, you know, I also realize, you know, there are a lot of a lot of individuals who are in very difficult situations, and, and I'm just hoping that, you know, for three hours a night, our broadcast can provide people, you know, assuming we get there and get through an entire year, that we can provide people a necessary escape a few hours a night, um, you know, that, that is so welcome in, in challenging times. Well, Neil, I want to thank you so much for being a guest tonight on Frankly Speaking Sports. I really enjoyed having you on. Thanks very much for thinking of me. I appreciate it. All right, you be safe and have a great 4th of July. Take care. That was the great Neil Solons, the pre- and post-game host for the Tampa Bay Rays. I want to remind you all of a couple of things. If you want to get interactive with this show in the last 17 minutes, if you're on the Frankly Speaking Sports Network, you can leave a message. Just ask me a question, whatever you're thinking about, whatever topic, or just say hello. Or it doesn't matter what platform you're listening to us on, you can call in and ask a question. The number here is 479-553-7008. It should be right up top for you all. But once again, if you don't have it, 479-553-7008. And before we started the conversation with Neil, I was talking about the NFL. And, I, I'm, you know, we talked about the Packers who came out earlier today and said they are going to allow fans in the stands. They're going to just reduce the number of people. We know that the NFL is not allowing the lower levels to be used to protect the players. And they are also going to make them wear face masks. Now... Some very disturbing stuff coming from the NFL that when you talk about selfish, I mean, I think if you look up the word selfish in a dictionary, you would see a picture of all the owners in the NFL and probably all the owners of professional sports because some of them, or a majority of them, are just greedy bastards. That's exactly what they are. I can't think of a better way to describe them. They want to go ahead... They want the teams to decide what capacity based on what the local authorities are doing and allow them in the stands, okay? The NFL only cares about money. If they were not to allow fans in the stands this year in the NFL, they would lose about $3 billion. That's right, $3 billion. They're not going to let that happen. But now they come out with, you know, this waiver, okay, we will allow fans in the stands, but they must sign a waiver saying that they waive any right to sue the NFL or any NFL team should they contract COVID-19. Now, I understand them wanting to protect themselves, but damn it, if it ain't safe to go in the stadium, then don't let the fans in the stadium. I mean, you you think it's common sense here, okay? Here you got a bunch of fans. I'm a football fan. I Now, I'm one of those that understand if I go to a game, I get COVID-19, you know, that's on me. And there are those people out there that would try to make money any way they can and sue the NFL. I understand that. But at the end of the day, 
You're not worried about the fans in the stands. You're worried about the fans suing you because it costs you money. So basically what you're telling the fans is, we want your money. We want your ticket admission. We want you to buy food and beer and beverages at all the concession stands and risk yourself. That's fine. Just don't sue us if you get sick. Okay? So it's one of the, and it's a very complicated situation. But to me, it comes across as them being greedy. We want the money. But, you know, what they need to do is if they're not 100% sure that people are going to be okay, then you can't let them in. Or, you know, I understand the waiver in one point. I'm kind of torn on this one, okay? And, you know, I we, there was a survey out, and I forget where it was, but thousands of thousands and thousands of people voted in this survey, and the survey asked, if you had to sign a waiver, given your rights to sue the NFL, would you sign the waiver? And 87%, believe it or not, said they would sign the waiver. Because 87% of people know you can go outside on any given day, any given month of any given year, and get sick. Anytime you're around a large group of people, you know, there's an opportunity for you to contract something, whether it's a cold, a stomach virus, a flu, COVID-19, you know, that goes without saying. People should understand it. Um, and it, it just, you know, if you go into a game, you have to expect that these things can happen. You know, the only way around this is telling people, if you have any of these symptoms, any symptoms of being sick, whether it's a cold, a flu, a uh, stuffy nose, or so on and so on, don't go to the game. Don't risk other people. You know, and that's where people get selfish a little bit. They only think about one person, and that's them. That's all they think about. They go, oh, I want to go to the game, but I'm not feeling well. You got to think now of the other people and the other thousands of people that are there because you contracted it to one person. It's just a domino effect, and it can go ahead and just, you know, spiral out and cause everybody to get sick. So, you know, when I, when I think about it more and more, I understand what the NFL is doing, but it just comes across to me, and it's a sad situation that we live in a world that is sat so happy where companies got to protect their butts because certain individuals would do something like that. And it, it, it just amazes me. Now, I want to remind you all that this Sunday night on our sister station, Crew Life, C-R-U-E, if you're not a member of it, you may want to join it. It's a great, 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 great platform. And this Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, the great coach Marvin Bell. That's right, Marvin Bell. He's going to be on Crew Life. Make sure you join up. It's Talking Bucks, uh, Bucks Talk with Coach Bell. Bucks Talk with Coach Bell, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Great, great platform. Join it. Then next Wednesday, we do every Wednesday night. We are on the Crew Life platform. We do Buccaneer Wednesday on Crew Life. It's Frankly Speaking Bucks. We usually have a guest who is associated 
with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, of course, we interview our very special phone guest. So we got about nine minutes left in the show. Would love to see some interaction here in the last nine minutes before the 4th of July here. Um, go ahead. You can leave a message right here under the comment section. Or go ahead and dial in. It only takes two seconds. You get on, you ask your question, you'll be off the phone. It's 479-553-7008. One more time, 479-553-7008. And for those of you who did not get an opportunity yesterday night to listen to our great show, you need to go back and listen to it. What a great, great, great interview we had with Bob Kendrick. If you don't know who Bob Kendrick is, you should. He is the president of the Negro League Museum. Unbelievable conversation. We talked about the 100th anniversary. Obviously, things being uh, postponed. They had big things planned. They're going to move them to next year. We talked about the Negro Leagues and the great, great uh, Negro League players. Some that are in the Hall of Fame, some are not. But just an amazing, amazing conversation with Bob Kendrick. So you definitely, definitely want to go back and listen to that. I want to also let you know, for those of you that do not get to watch our show or have friends that cannot watch our show at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, we are also on seven different podcast platforms. That is correct. We are on Anchor FM, we are on Spotify, we are on Breaker, we are on Google. We're all over the place. And even better than that, listen to this, guys. Not only can you go on Twitter and watch a tape of this show later on in the evening, but you can also go the next day to our YouTube channel. That's right. We got our own YouTube channel, Frankly Speaking Sports. All you do is go to YouTube, type it in, you'll see a football field that's in a circle. It'll be the only one in a circle. That's why we made it that way. So you can identify it, and you can listen to all of our past podcasts, all of our past interviews. Just a great, great channel. It costs nothing. You hit subscribe, and you are a member of our YouTube channel. On Twitter, it's at Larry Frankis. That's with the U.S. at the end. Larry Frankis, US at the end, is our Twitter account. We tweet things all day long, or I should say retweet things from some of the best insiders in the sports world, so you get the most updated news. And then, you know, for those of you that are not on Frankly Speaking Sports, go ahead and join. You can be part of a more than one group. Join Frankly Speaking Sports. We keep you updated on all the news going on in the sports world, and you can have exclusivity to this show on Frankly Speaking Sports. So you can go to one place and see them all. So just a lot of different ways that you can participate um, in this. I was looking at a text message. I want to make sure I read this right. Let's see what it says here. All right. Um... They want to know what I think about, the, I guess, the Tampa mayor, Jane Castor, came out a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a week ago, and said that she sees the possibility 
of fans being in the stands when the Rays continue to play at Tropicana Field. And they wanted to know my thoughts on it. And, you know, we talked a lot already about fans in the stands tonight, but I just don't see how it's possible in Tampa Bay right now. It would have to take a major downward curve in the next two weeks before I see them allowing fans at Tropicana Field. I mean, I think it was yesterday or the day before you had 10,000 new cases of COVID-19. That's in one day in the Tampa Bay area. So, you know, why the mayor of any city or the governor, if it's Ron DeSantis that decided, whoever is deciding this, uh, why you would want to risk people when you have so many people a day being infected with this illness, I don't know. I, I don't know uh, why you would want to do that, but to answer the question that I got on the line, I don't see the possibility, based on what you're seeing now, allowing fans at Tropicana. It's just ridiculous. And you know what? New York came out and said the same thing, that they're going to allow fans possibly, uh, you know, in the uh, stadiums. And I think what's happening is a lot of these major league uh owners or NFL owners, they're putting a lot, and I understand this, on the local authorities. It's up to the local authorities because obviously they don't want to get sued if somebody gets sick. So by, you know, the government saying it's okay, they got something to fall back on. So, you know, it's a very, once again, the fans in the stands is a very complicated situation. And no matter what you think, and, you know, as much as you people don't believe it, I'm trying to explain to you is these owners do not really care. And I'm sorry, I don't mean it in a mean way, but they don't care about whether you get sick or not. They're more interested in making their money. We just said how much money, what, football loses $3 billion just by not having fans in the stands in 2020. I don't see them letting that happen. I And that's part of the greed. And, you know, I can sit here and I can debate day and night on whether fans should or should be. You know, it's I'm not the expert. I'm not the one that makes the decision. And I'm very happy that I don't. But it's a very, very complicated and risky situation with this COVID-19 and fans in the stands. So that, that's pretty much what I got to say um, on that. I just don't like the greedy part. You know, we saw the owners in baseball being greedy with this bickering and all this stuff. And now the NFL, like I said, I understand the waiver, but it just hit me the wrong way. Because you, you say we need you to sign the waiver because if we don't have fans, we lose $3 billion. The just once again... You know, we talked about Blake Snell, lovable Blake Snell, about a month ago with the comments. It's not what you say sometimes. It's how you say it. It's the presentation of what you say that, you know, makes sometimes makes you look right and sometimes makes you look wrong. So, once again, the presentation is the key thing. Want to remind you all that we are on every Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Right here on Frankly Speaking Sports. Once again, Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. On Wednesday nights, we do do it on the Crew Life platform. 
9 p.m. Eastern Time, it's Frankly Speaking Bucks. This Sunday night, a reminder to switch over to Crew Life, watch Coach Bell. Coach Bell with uh, Bucks Talk with Coach Bell, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Crew Life. I want to thank you all very, very much for tuning in tonight. I want to thank our special guest, Neil Solons, for one heck of an interview. And do me a favor, everybody. Have a great, great 4th of July, but make sure you're all safe. We'll see you back here again Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, on another episode of Frankly Speaking Sports. Good night.